Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman, and today I'm talking with Lauren Bryson, who is board certified in holistic nutrition, and she has a fantastic podcast called Go Play in the Dirt. And by the way, she interviewed me as a guest on it. And Lauren is also a cooking instructor, especially for kids. And that's what we talk about in this episode. Teaching our kids to cook, demystifying whole real foods, and also fermented foods and gut health. We'll get to our chat in just a minute. And this week's episode is brought to you by the Life After Sugar program, which is where you'll get the step-by-step guidance you need from me to help you let go of sugar and the emotional hold it has on you so that you can get to a place of freedom where you don't even need, want or miss it anymore. And in the Life After Sugar program, you'll get the help, the guidance and the support to experience real, deep and lasting freedom from sugar and you don't have to do it alone. Check out everything that's included in the Life After Sugar program at aftersugarclub.com and in the top menu, click on the program tab. That's aftersugarclub.com and click on program. All right, so here's my chat with Lauren. So today I'm talking to Lauren Bryson, who is a board certified holistic nutritionist who specializes in kids cooking and gut health. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Lovely to see you. Can you tell us a bit about your own childhood with relation to sugar? Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. So I grew up uh, in the Bay Area in California. Um, in the early 90s. So we definitely were the generation of kind of processed quick snacks, like gushers and Lunchables. Uh, In my household, I would say sugar was there, but it wasn't too prominent. My mom did cook, which I'm super grateful for. Um, So overall, I would say there was definitely sugar around, but it wasn't running rampant in my household, um, which was good because I kind of had a lot of gut related issues starting probably in middle school. So probably around 10 or 11, my, my gut was just not functioning. Um, I would go to the bathroom like once a week. And, and I thought, I thought it was normal for years. Like I didn't know, that that was not normal. Uh, and I, I dealt with a lot of like bloating and indigestion and gas and other IBS related symptoms, which really kind of launched me into the whole world of holistic health. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you, 
you spent your sort of formative years, as it were, or the younger years through your teenage years with these gut issues? Yeah. And then through the majority of my twenties, it wow. was, it's been quite the journey to say the least. <laughs> How old are you now? Can I ask? I'm, I'm 35 and this is probably the healthiest I've ever been in my life. I'm thinking. Okay. So it's not like you got the gut issues because you're eating a whole load of processed crap, let's call it. Um, so what do you think now that you know a bit more about gut health, what do you think kind of t- started it off? Yeah. I mean, I think the processed food was definitely one piece of it. Um, it was kind of just like slipped into regular day life and you don't really think about the negative effects it has on your microbiome was like the, the additives and the sugars and the preservatives and the unhealthy fats, um, and the low fiber, but it, it was, yeah, processed food was one piece. I think a big part of it was, um, environment stress. Um, there was a genetic component. Um, and then there's also just kind of the unknown, you know, that you, you can't really, explain everything. And I've kind of just come to terms with that, which is definitely a a bit of a freeing thought. (laughs) I know in this sort of science-based society we have now, we need to know everything. We're uncomfortable with the unknown. Right. Right. And as I said, it's kind of like, once you realize you can't really explain every single thing down to a T it's freeing, you know, because then you can take what you have and where you're at and start making small, healthy changes towards the goals that you want to achieve. Totally. Totally. All right. So when did you get into the whole field of holistic nutrition? Yeah. So I, this is my second career. My first career was as a project manager in both the startup and nonprofit world in San Francisco in my twenties, but my health was really plummeting. Then Uh, I was experiencing severe nutritional deficiencies because my, my gut was so unbalanced. I wasn't absorbing any nutrients. I had to get IVs of iron for like five years. Um, my hair was falling out. I was dealing with like skin rashes, eczema, um, insomnia, insomnia, anxiety, just kind of the byproduct of not knowing what was happening with my body. Um, so it, the, my twenties were rough to say the least. And like our Western medical model is really, it's really great if there's an accident, um, or if you need urgent care, but it is not designed to deal with chronic illness, especially gut related illness. So I was either given a prescription or I was referred to a different doctor, or I was told you're fine. Nothing's wrong with you. You're crazy. Just go back to living your life. Um, and I kind of just hit a breaking point and started researching diet because all, most of the doctors I went to, no one really talked to me about kind of what I was eating. Um, which looking back on it is for lack of a better word, insane. <laughs> and this is um, in the States, right? Yeah. So yeah. In, in like the Bay area with like pretty like well-respected medical care, but no one really talked to me about food. So I, I just, I started researching just gut, gut health. Um, and I discovered Ayurveda actually, which is, um, like the ancient kind of Indian healing system. So I really 
change my diet to eating more cooked foods, like soups and stews, like easily digestible foods. Cause before I was thinking I was being healthy, eating all these salads and smoothies and cold things, but my digestion was so weak. Uh, it wasn't processing anything. So I went on a pretty, um, intense cooked food diet for a while, but I started to feel better. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is amazing. So from there, I kind of, it kind of rabbit, it kind of went in the rabbit hole of researching other gut related diets. And then I started trying doing more lifestyle changes like stress management and then like different exercise practices. Uh, and I slowly started to heal. So I decided to quit my job. I moved back to my mom's house and I went back to school for holistic nutrition. Um, I graduated from Bowman college in June, 2020, the, the midst of the pandemic, uh, <laughs> which was interesting. But, um, since then I've been working in the field for almost two years now. And while it's definitely been challenging at times, I, I couldn't be happier. This is definitely my purpose in life, like teaching people, um, how to basically how to heal your gut because gut health is foundational to your overall health. Like totally. Totally. it is everything, any, any manifestation of symptom. I always start with the gut. It's funny, isn't it? Because I discovered that in my forties, like you're 20 years ahead of, of me. <laughs> I was slightly slower and, you know, and it's because as you were saying, first of all, the sort of Western medicine and medical establishment, not only are they not going to talk to you about what you're eating, but no way are they going to mention gut health. It's sort of off the radar. And then after that, it just, for us patients slash consumers slash regular citizens, although you and I weren't regular, <laughs> that's the whole point. <laughs> but it, I mean, how are we supposed to learn all this stuff ourselves when we have no background whatsoever? in the whole subject, you know, it seems like a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely frustrating and chronic illness is, I mean, skyrocketing everywhere right now. Um, so I'm hoping that the kind of Western medical model will start to take, take in more holistic approaches, like working with nutritionists and health coaches and in different type of like mindful practices to kind of help people on their healing journey. Cause healing isn't linear, you know, like there's not, there's not, if you, if, I mean, if you just cut out sugar to your diet, I mean, it'll be supportive in general, but it, it's not going to be like the be all end all for healing, whatever's going on within your body. It's, it's, yeah. It takes a, it takes a whole village, I think. Yeah, That's totally. I mean, yeah. cutting sugar, you know, you can't go wrong with cutting sugar, but it's not necessarily the magic pill, no mm -hmm. pun intended, for everything. Plus what I found, I have to tell you, is that in many establishments or approaches, especially in regular nutrition approaches, not the holistic ones, but um, actually cutting sugar is frowned upon. That's what I found. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole, there's, there's different... Um, I guess, ways of practicing nutrition. I'm trying to figure out a, a way to say this. There are different, um, there, there's different ways of practicing nutrition. There's dietitians 
registered dietitians, and then there's more holistic health coaches, which is, which is my background. Uh, and even within the nutrition field, as you were just saying, uh, it can be super divisive. Um, and like there's, there's vegan, there's paleo, there's vegetarian, and then there's all these, there's keto, there's all these different diets, which all can be supportive, but it's not the be all end all. It all depends on the person's bio-individuality, like what works for one person typically won't work for another. And I think that's kind of where we've gotten lost yeah. in the whole healing medical model. Right. And so if the medical model and the nutritionists and the dietitians have gotten lost, can you imagine us poor consumers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been there I remember I and like I remember just being so overwhelmed because there's so much information on nutrition online and it, it's all conflicting I mean there's one study that says one thing there's one study that says another thing uh so it can definitely be overwhelming at times so everyone out there listening don't worry everyone gets overwhelmed with nutrition information but um taking small steps like decreasing your amount of sugar coming back to this this podcast can be super beneficial i would say in general for everyone like adding in more like real nutrient dense foods you can't really go wrong with that increasing your hydration um decreasing the amount of processed foods that you eat so these are just kind of like small simple steps uh that people can take to improve yeah. their health it's almost like we were allergic to the idea of it being simple <laughs> Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I feel like uh, health gets way overcomplicated. You know, as we just need to get back to the basics, like go out in nature, spend time with your friends, cook a meal, get some good rest. It sounds it sounds so simple, but I mean, it's, it's in our modern day society. It's definitely challenging you have to carve out time for these practices I think yeah yeah and it seems to me like it wasn't that long ago I mean I think of my grandparents who lived during the second world war you know in London so they lived through the 30s the 40s the 50s they didn't seem confused or overwhelmed about nutrition funnily enough before all those processed foods came along they were just doing what you just said, you know, cooking meals and getting on with their lives and feeling okay, you know, despite the rationing and everything else that was going on. And then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think sort of with the advent of all these convenience foods in air quotes in the 60s and onwards, then things started to go downhill. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the introduction of processed foods and now the, the world we're currently living, there are now ultra processed foods, which means even more processed than the original processed foods. Yeah. Uh, while in theory, cause like you, you, you want to maximize your time and you want to do all the things and be efficient, but in actuality, cooking a meal with someone, either be yourself or your family and sitting down and taking the time to eat that meal, like mindful eating is a huge component of health where we kind of have gotten lost. Um, eating at your desk or eating in your car is on a, like a cellular level difficult on your digestion because you're, you're doing 
four things at once. So your body wouldn't be digesting your food as, as well as if you were just sitting and eating. Um, so the processed foods and the highly, highly palatable sugary foods. Yeah. They're the, the, that introduction was definitely not beneficial for us. It was yeah. for the food companies. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're just, oh. they're just raking it in and we're all kind of suffering from it. And it's just like, where is the disconnect? What is going on? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And it's like food or nourishing ourselves has become an afterthought or even a bother in our lives. Mm. You know, we got to get it over with so we can really get back to living and doing what we want. And it's like upside down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a, as a health coach, the number one complaint I get from my clients is I don't have time. I don't have time to go grocery shopping. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to clean. And while I totally understand, like our world is insanely busy. Uh, I think it's really important. We carve out time to nourish ourselves, whether it be cooking or, um, doing 10 minutes of yoga or sitting outside for five minutes or calling a friend. Um, but it's really important. We, we make choices to support our overall well-being. I just want to take a little break to read a couple of reviews of the life after sugar podcast. And here's one with the title, so inspiring. It says, Netta, you are serving a powerful and unique need in this world. Hearing other people's stories is immensely helpful in fostering the I'm not alone understanding on this sugar freedom journey. So happy to read that. And I hope I'm not tooting my own horn too much by reading these out. But these are all five-star reviews. And this one is entitled, Amazing Podcast. It says, Netta is amazing. This is a great podcast and she is a wonderful host. The guests are terrific and the information is easy to understand and incorporate. I highly recommend this show and share it with my clients all the time. It's signed by Rough Dog 113 Thank you. And to rate and review this podcast, just scroll down, hit the five stars to rate this podcast, and click on Write a Review to write your own review. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Um, you're a kids cooking instructor, right? And, you know, I wanted to talk to you about that because... This seems to me a bit like a generational thing. In other words, you know, I just mentioned my grandparents, my grandparents, I have to say my grandmothers in those days, it was the women who did the cooking, right? I'm not sure how different it is today, but I, you know, they knew how to cook. And then something happened along the way. And my mom knows how to cook. She just doesn't enjoy it very much. And she was of the generation in the 80s that were, you know, the generation of women that started full-time work, high-powered jobs, and was just exhausted when she got in from work at like 7 p.m. And this is, you know, obviously that's when all these convenience foods came along. So we sort of lost that couple of generations of knowing how to cook. So with you as a kid's cooking instructor, instructor, 
Can you tell us a bit more about how you approach cooking and kids? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been teaching kids cooking for almost two years now, and I've gone as young as four, which is is pretty cute. Uh, And I kind of max out at uh, middle school, so eighth grade. Uh, but my, the sweet spot I found is like fourth and fifth grade. That's when they are still interested and, um, engaged and want to learn about cooking. So what I've kind of found recently, um, we go into mostly like lower income title one schools. I work with the nonprofit. So it's like an aftercare program. And what I've really seen recently is a lot of these kids, their both their parents work full time. Um, so there's not much cooking happening at home just cause no one has time to cook, which is totally understandable. Um, so sometimes I'll be in class and we'll be cutting up a tomato and it'll be the first time some of the junior chefs have tried a fresh tomato before in their lives and like, Oh, that's disgusting. But like, it's, it's exposing them, you know, to real food. Um, and sugar is a huge component of these kids' lives. I see some of them with like sodas and just kind of candy in their backpack. Um, and when I talk about sugar, they all get super excited. So what I really like to focus on is educating on the difference between natural forms of sugar and artificial forms of sugar, because I don't think it's anywhere feasible to say that kids aren't going to eat sugar. I just, I like to be realistic. Um, is this just the society we live in? And even when I was a kid, I would eat sugar and it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we teach really about like whole, whole forms of sugar. So like using apples or bananas or any type of fruit or honey, um, or agave, as opposed to using processed, white sugar, um, sugars in sugary drinks. Like we talk about Gatorade, we talk about soda. Um, we talk about just kind of sugary treats in general. And then what we do is we create healthy swaps of recipes that the kids love. So we have this really, really great fluffy pumpkin pancake with apple compote recipe. So instead of using syrup, we make an apple compote with like fresh apples and a little bit of butter and some cinnamon and they love it. Or we do uh, fresh strawberry and cottage cheese filled crepes with like chocolate chips and mint on top. Um, but that's just another way of adding in fresh fruit and not using like globs of Nutella. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, would you say that, I don't know, do you have contact with their parents, these kids? We don't know, but what we, we do see is what we teach in classes, the kids go home and teach to their families because, uh, part of the classes are we like, we kind of give them confidence. Like you have knife skills, you have kitchen skills, like go home and show your family what you learned in class. So what, what we've seen is some of the kids will go home and they'll, they'll make a recipe with their family and come back and be like, Oh, I cooked this for my mom and she loved it. Um, which I love. I love that kind of teaching back to your family component. It's beautiful. Yes. Mm -hmm. And do you find that these kids are pretty open-minded and adventurous and it's like normalizing cooking really for them? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I find that 
even I, I just encourage them to try things, even if they don't like it and like, just take a bite. If you don't like it, that's cool. And the majority of them do. And it just exposes them to, first of all, it gives them confidence that they can like get in the kitchen and use a knife and like they can cut up a strawberry and they can kind of measure, they know how to use measuring spoons. Um, but it exposes them to different foods and different ways of making foods that they wouldn't normally be exposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause one of the things that people tell me often, you know, in the after sugar club is I want to eat better. I just don't know how to cook or I don't mm -hmm. have any meal ideas or I don't have enough recipes, you know, as if there aren't, an, aren't enough recipes out there. The thing is all the information is out there, but if you are not confident in your own skills or in your ability to learn those skills, you'll reach out for the pre-made foods already. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, there's a great quote from Julia Child, like not, not everyone's born a great chef. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like cooking takes practice. I didn't really start cooking till my late twenties. And like, I'm, I'm no professional chef, but I, I teach cooking classes and sometimes my knife skills are not on point, but I don't know. It's cool. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I, I always like to encourage people to just like start small, like meal prep, I don't know, have some like baked chicken in your fridge or something or some cut up veggies or some like pre-steamed quinoa and just kind of start simple. Yeah, I call it meal assembly or ingredient assembly more than cooking sometimes, mm, you know, mm -hmm. but then again, you've still got to have those ingredients in your fridge, which one step before that means knowing what to buy at the grocery store. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think it's wonderful that you're doing this for the kids, with the kids, because as I said, then this is normalizing food prep and cooking so that they grow up not seeing it as some sort of complex skill that they can never master. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And my kid also followed a cooking class a while back when she was about eight, I think, of, of like putting a whole bunch of things into a Ziploc bag. And then, you know, I would, she'd, she'd come home. She said, mom, th this is dinner for this week. <laughs> and then I'd take it and I'd dump it out into the crock pot. This, that, so it was basically a piece of meat, uh, some root veggies or other veggies. And she sort of put that together and said, mom, put that in the crock pot. I love it. I love that. Crock pots are brilliant, by the way. They're, they're so easy. And if time is an issue, I highly recommend. Yeah, I, I loved it because, you know, in the morning, not many of us parents have much time in the morning. So it mm -hmm. would take like literally two minutes to dump this, the contents of this bag <laughs> into the crock pot. <laughs> and then in the evening, you know, it was ready. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And now I have the Instapot, you know, like the pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. So that's another good time saver. So I get, you know, the whole thing about time. Um, but there are sort of gadgets that we have that our parents or grandparents didn't necessarily have easy access to. Totally. So um, you also teach about nutrient dense foods. Can you tell us really what those are? Yeah. So basically, I always like to tell people like when you go grocery shopping, shop on the perimeter of the store, you know, cause that's where you're going to find 
the nutrient dense foods. And by nutrient dense foods, I mean a real whole food. I mean, a food that does not have an ingredient label on it. So vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds, healthy grains, um, beans, animal protein, just kind of things that were made in nature, herbs and spices. Can't forget herbs and spices. I'm really into those. Um, so yeah, eating a nutrient dense whole foods diet, and then kind of knowing what works for your body specifically. Uh, like for me, I mean, I've tried, I've done all the diets under the sun and (laughs) for what's working for me right now is mostly, it's more or less like an autoimmune paleo protocol. So a lot of like animal protein, a lot of veggies, um, lower on fruits, lower on other certain things, but this from right now for where I'm at in my body, it's what's has been feeling really good. So eating a nutrient dense whole foods diet is going to help balance your microbiome, which is basically your gut and balance is key for a healthy gut. Um, our modern fast paced lifestyle is really difficult on our gut. So you really want to kind of try to feed it the nutrients that it needs to really kind of thrive because gut health is tied to your immune function, your cognition, your sleep, your metabolic balance. It's really tied to every single bot like function in your body. So having a healthy gut is key. Totally. Totally. And how has your digestion changed since you started looking after your gut health? Oh, huge. I go to the bathroom twice a day now. Yay. I'm happy to talk about that all day. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm not like, I'm not bloated anymore before when I would eat, I would look like I was six months pregnant. The, the pain has really subsided. My brain fog is gone. Like my, my brain's functioning again. I'm sleeping better. Um, I have more energy, so I'm working out, which in turn helps with my mood. It's really just kind of like a whole cascade of positive things, but also some days I don't feel great. You know, some, like some days, like if I eat something and I can pinpoint it, it's like, Oh, okay. I ate at that restaurant and I'm not going to feel good for a couple of days. And it is what it is. Or some days I don't know what's going on, but my gut is unhappy. And I think that's normal. Like we're not going to feel good every single day. And just like, yeah, just like knowing to kind of ride it out and having practices like drinking peppermint tea or ginger tea, or just, just not stressing about feeling shitty for a couple of days has been really helpful for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Yes. You know, we're not robots. No. Yeah. We're humans. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you eat or make fermented foods and drinks? So I'm a, I love, love, love fermented foods. They're my jam. I'm actually taking a class on Thursday on how to ferment my own foods. I really want to start with sauerkraut and kimchi. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done kombucha, but I had like eight scobies by the end of that. Yeah, I give them away. <laughs> I give them away to our local health food store. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so fermented foods, I I love. I mean, they feed the good bacteria in your gut. I try to have. I mean, when I started, I had to start really small because my gut was so messed up. So like a half a serving every other day. And now I'm probably up to two to three servings a day. 
of like sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, yogurt, kind of miso, yeah, whatever I can find. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Love fermented foods. I can't wait to learn how to make them. Oh, I wish I could teach you. I teach how to make them. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep you, I'll send you updates of my, my cabbage and how it's going. That's yes, for some tips. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, it's so funny. And our little community, you know, in the after sugar club, we're like, I'm like, here's a picture of, you know, me or the others. Here's a picture of my scoby. Here's a picture of my kombucha. Here's a picture of my kombucha. Oh, cool. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I love all that stuff. And that is also little known um, in our sort of Western society and very intimidating for very, very many people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to learn. Yeah, it's great, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, if, if regular people like me can learn and people who have got a little bit more background like yourself, you know, certified can learn and then obviously teach you know pay it forward then hopefully over time there'll be enough people that a think it's just normal to eat fermented foods and drinks as part of your diet and maybe maybe it'll filter down you know i'm in a unicorn land but maybe it'll filter down into the medical establishment fingers crossed <laughs> both of us are like you yeah. know you've got our, one Jeez. eyebrow up and yeah dream on yeah <laughs> but it's funny because in in this so-called advanced society you know all these gut healthy foods are almost unknown or they've been sort of commercialized into glorified seven up you know for these commercial kombuchas half of them are no better than, than regular soda. Um, so it's either that, but you know, in some societies that we consider to be less advanced, they've been fermenting foods and drinks for thousands of years. A hundred percent. And it's interesting when you look at, at different cultures, uh, you notice that, that they pair a probiotic, so that's a fermented food with a prebiotic, yeah. um, which is basically like a fiber and they kind of, they both support healthy guts. So I always think of like a brown rice bowl with like miso and, and kimchi on it. And it's just, it's really, once you start learning more about um, fermented foods and you really look at different cultures and every culture has their own fermented food. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. Love it. It's like traveling around the world when you start getting into fermented foods and drinks. It's wonderful. Yeah. And just to finish off, what would be your sort of professional approach or advice about sugar to people you know start small um start with swapping out artificial forms of sugar for natural forms of sugar because there will be uh more fiber in there um and your blood sugar will remain a little bit more balanced um and see how you feel i i mean give it maybe like two to three weeks you I would assume you would have a kind of dramatic improvement in sleep, energy, digestion, all the things. It's really interesting once you like start to kind of detox off of sugar, um, how alive you feel afterwards. And, and don't, don't think of it as like a, I'm never eating sugar again. Just try it for like, for a couple, two to three weeks 
let me know how, send me, send me a message. Let me know how it goes. I'd love to hear. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's like what you say, you know, you feel more alive. I love that because the sort of the traditional approach or opinion is that sugar gives you energy, which is not false. It's just right. not the type of energy that is necessarily particularly right. useful. Right. Yeah. It spikes that insulin. So you get that crazy high and then that crazy low. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And do you have any of your preferred sources of sweetness? What are they? Mm, I am a big fan raw honey. If you can find local raw honey, I mean, it is, it is high in sugar. Um, but I use that in my coffee and tea. And then I'm a big fan of just dark chocolate. Um, it's just, it really kind of hits the spot for me. It's has antioxidants in there. Uh, and I find now when I have something with like regular sugar in it, it is insane in my mouth. It's just like, it's like, Whoa, what is going on? Um, so it's, it's interesting. Once you start to decrease the amount of sugar in your life, when you have something like quote unquote normal, you'll definitely notice a shift. And then when I ate it, I felt terrible afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who'd have thought, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, my I mean, over time, my tastes have changed to the point where sweet tastes actually taste awful to me now. I actually avoid them. You know, it's like, what happened to me? You know, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it really is because, um, you know, because I stopped sugar and all sweet foods, as you say, for a temporary period. And I still consider it a temporary period, even if it's mm -hmm. been seven years, because if I wanted to eat some, I could any day I could. It's not like forever. Nothing's forever. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. All right. Oh, thanks so much for talking to me. It's fascinating. And I'll put your information and how to get in touch with you in the show notes along with this episode. Perfect. Thank you. Bye. Oh, how great is it to find a nutritionist who gets it about teaching our kids to cook, normalizing real foods and demystifying what to do with them, and also someone who loves fermented foods and drinks. Now that's my type of nutritionist. You can find Lauren's info in the show notes with this episode. And I also have some free resources for you about what whole foods are and what the deal is with fermented foods and drinks on my website, aftersugarclub.com. Have a look at the three videos there that explain what real whole foods are and where to find them at the grocery store, as well as how fermented foods and drinks go a long way to looking after your gut health. And you know, your gut health is central to your general health. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab in the top menu, what to eat. And while you're there on the website at aftersugarclub.com, download my five tips for getting rid of cravings. Whether you're an intermittent faster or not, cravings can really stop you from feeling free with your food. So download those five tips at aftersugarclub.com and you can get more free resources and tips on the Life After Sugar YouTube channel 
the Life After Sugar Facebook page and come and subscribe to my Instagram account at mylifeaftersugar. That's where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, sometimes some inspiring quotes or sometimes just pictures of our cat so that you can see that it's totally possible to live a fun and active life even if you don't eat sugar. And if you're ready to join the After Sugar Club community, which I created specially for health-conscious people and intermittent fasters, who don't just want to change what they eat, they want to transform their relationship with sugar and make it a peaceful relationship where you don't need or miss sugar anymore. Then head on over to AfterSugarClub.com and click on the green button, Join the Club, to join us in the After Sugar Club private membership. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.